Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, we're starting a new series today called Live the Values. And for the next seven or eight weeks, we are going to be talking about our vision and values as a church. And we're talking about how you and me are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, So whether you like it or not, as Christians, we are family. So look at the person next to you and say, what's up, brother? What's up, sister? Whichever one applies. So we are talking a little bit about what it means to be a part of a spiritual family. And what does it mean to live together, not only at this place, but in this city and in some ways at this time in history? Because it it, it should all mean something, right? It has some sort of impact. And this series is called Live the Values, and I plan to end the day talking about the values. But before we do, I want to get into God's Word. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17, so if you want to open your Bible or open your Bible app and you can get to that. But I feel like this is the perfect place to begin in this particular story in Acts because it's a story about Jesus, the city, and the church, which feels a little bit like us. And so I thought this would be pretty, pretty appropriate for us today. But before I read the passage, I want, to pour our, I, want to, I want to point to our vision, if you will, and I'll put it on the screen for us. You may or may not know what our vision as a church is, so here it is. So if you're new here, you get to hear a little bit about the heart of what OKC Community is all about. But our vision is bringing life to our city by being the church the best way we know how. Now, we want to bring life to our city, and we want to do our very best. And what I mean by that is we don't want to do mediocre, we don't want to do halfway, but we want to actually give God our best. And so, in fact, I want everyone to say, give God God our best. best. We aren't trying to be the best, we're trying to give God our best. And we're also trying to give our city, we're trying to give our neighbors, we're trying to give our friends, our family, we're trying to give them the best of ourselves. And so we are also in this vision talking a little bit about our vision how many of you um, love our city, for example? How many of you guys love Oklahoma City? Okay. All right, there's about half of us that went up. Are you, the rest of you looking to move? What's going on here? I was kind of expecting it like 100%, but it was just sort of like, mm. it's okay. Duncan's a nice place. Binger, you can go. Binger, Oklahoma is calling your name. Maybe Delaware. I don't know. But anyway. Here's the thing, we live here and because we live here, most of us have some level of affection for it. And because God has placed us in the city, we wanna do our very best at at being the church. And I I say that intentionally because I think in our culture in in this day and age, when we say being the church, we have to remind ourselves of what that is because I think most of us understand church as a place and a, and a time, meaning it's something that we go and do, and so we go to church, and we have to remember that for anybody that wants to be the church the best way they know how, it, it's, it's, it's depending and, and, it's, and it's committing to the notion that we don't go to church, but we are the church. And, and that's, that's, that's been said many, many times, but I have to tell myself that so much because I can make church about a gathering and not about being a people, but that we are the church, right? We know this. And before I get too far into this, and before we get to Acts 17, I want to clearly articulate something about our vision, and this is very, very important, is that as a church, it isn't about making this church great, 
or even effective, even though I hope that we're effective, but that's not really what the vision is about. It's not about being effective. It's not about personalities or trying to cast the vision of it becoming a big church or an important church or a famous church or becoming the best church. It's about giving God our best. That's what it's about. And so we never want a vision of OKC community to be about greatness or popularity or effectiveness. We want to humble ourselves and consecrate ourselves before our Heavenly Father, repent of our sin, and ask for His kingdom come and His will be done. Like everything about who we are begins with that. Are you all with me? Do you all understand what I'm saying? And so we actually want to become less so that Jesus can become more. That's where it begins. And so we're going to create language. You're going to see something on your chair, that card. It's going to have a vision statement. It's going to have values. And all of those things are important, but they're just words that try and unite a spiritual family, not try and control us because what controls us is our Heavenly Father and that we are submitted to Him. And so I just want to say, I have this little check in my spirit anytime I talk about vision. It's that, listen, it's already been laid out. Jesus has already given us the vision and God's already given us the mission. And so anything we add to it is just in support of that. So we're living under Jesus. He is the founder of this church. I am not the founder of this church. Jesus is the senior founding pastor of the church. I have to say that in this day and age where people try and take credit for the things that Jesus does. Are you all with me? So here's the deal. The vision begins, the vision begins with Jesus as Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I put a vision statement on the screen and it means something to me. Uh, but, but listen, it doesn't mean near as much as me getting on my face before the Father and submitting my life to Him and saying everything in my life is oriented to Jesus as Lord in my life. And so for each and every person, if you're like wondering what OKC community is about, it's about Jesus as Lord, God as the Father in heaven, and Holy Spirit as our counselor and guide through life. We are those people. Are you all with me? Now that I got that off my chest. <laughs> Let's get into Acts chapter 17. Here we go. Verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Let's stop there. When was the last time you were greatly distressed because your city was full of idols? No? Not really your thing? Hmm. So Paul represents the church in this story. He's the voice of truth, the hands and feet of Jesus walking through a city. Paul is the embodiment of the church's call to advance the gospel and to go and share the good news of Jesus. And so again, we have Jesus, the good news. We have Paul who represents the church. And we have Athens in this story who represents the city. And Paul is walking through the city, and he's distressed that these people are worshiping other things other than God, and it literally just distresses him out, <laughs> right? He's distressed out, and I, I looked up the word distress, and distress means suffering, misery, agony. It means the state of being in trouble. Distress imply, implies the external and usually temporary cause of great physical or mental strain or stress. For example, Oklahoma State fans are distressed because OU is going to the SEC. It's temporary, friends. It's a temporary pain. But Paul is literally experiencing pain. And this is important to realize that it's not anger or frustration or rage at the city. It's distress. It's pain over the reality of the, spirit, of the city's spiritual condition. And this is convicting to me because when I think about spiritual condition, I think about myself usually. 
You know, I'm saved by the grace of Jesus and I'm thankful, but at the same time, I want to keep working on my own spiritual condition. I'm constantly thinking about myself. And here's Paul walking through the city and he's distressed about their spiritual condition. My focus is often my spiritual condition. Paul's focus was their spiritual condition. Paul is thinking, I'm saved by grace, but I want more for these people. How many know that, that individualism, in fact, let me say it this way. In America, we are the most individualistic culture statistically in the world. Now, how many know that individualism causes us to dream and shrink, if you will, our vision to an individualistic cause? Meaning we dream for persons at a time, and usually that person is us. But God created us and made us to dream for cities at a time. You see, we, we see it right here where Paul is captivated by the need of a city. So Paul begins making conversations in Athens. If you read the story in Acts 17, he starts going to the marketplace and he's talking to people. And he's literally just creating conversations about God. And enough so that some people get curious about what these ideas are that Paul is sharing. And they invite him to go and meet with some people at a place called the Areopagus. Everybody say Areopagus. It's a great word. Now, the Areopagus was a place where the Athenian council gathered to talk about important matters of the city. They might talk about governance. They might talk about the latest ideas or problems. They obviously would talk about philosophy because we are in ancient Greece, right? And so they would talk about these things in, in this place called Mars Hill was another name for it. This was, this was like the ancient Capitol Hill slash Starbucks in one place, right? This is where they were talking about everything that needed to be talked about. Verse 22 it says this, Paul then stood up at the meeting. Remember, he had been invited to come by people he had met in the marketplace. Interesting. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Now, I've always loved this sentence. And here's why I've loved it. He, he says something very kind to them. It's actually a compliment. He says, I see that you're very religious. This is a kind statement to infer something positive that he sees in them in spite of his distress. Remember, he had been distressed by all the idols, but he says, hey, I, I do see that you're religious. That's a good thing. And he affirms that they're religious people, meaning that they're open to matters of the spirit and the spiritual realm. And he affirms it. And I love this because that's not always the tendency of Christians when they get distressed by the state of the world around them. It's very popular in our day and age, whenever the world around us kind of starts to infringe on our life as Christians, that we react one of two ways, and it's usually not the way that Paul did. The first way that a lot of people with, you know, respond is whenever they're distressed is they withdraw. And they say, oh, we don't want to be like the world, so we need to get away from the world. And they isolate in a Christian bubble. And in essence, they don't care about the city as much as they care about protecting themselves from the city. So in one way, Christians respond to a lost city is they withdraw. The second way that they respond is they get the bulldozer out and they start trying to knock down all the idols. And so they bulldoze the idols and they think, well, we'll overpower them. We've seen this in our country. If you disagree with someone, you bulldoze them and burn it to the ground. There's a sentiment of many that forceful, strong versions of the church will create an army of God. But it's often these power-driven cultures that we see some of the worst examples of abuse in the church where many are bruised and hurt by the church and its forceful leaders. 
It goes as far as even the most extreme politically and religious right wing in our country who couches religious rants and Christian teachings, but ultimately they are operating from anger and hatred and selfishness, not distressed by the pain of the world around them, but instead operating out of their own selfish want. By the way, it's not just the far right, it's also the far liberal left that bullies people into their agendas claiming no religious affiliation, yet their ideology is a religion in and of itself. So we're all to blame here. Paul neither ignored the problem by withdrawing, nor did he reject the problem by bulldozing or bullying. Instead, he addressed the city with respect. I see that you're very religious. And then he points to something in the city. I'm about to show you. He points to something in the city that actually opened a window for the gospel to be shared. So he wasn't trying to force or bully or overpower or withdraw. He was looking for opportunity to share the good news. So check this out in the next verse. For as I walked around, remember, you're religious. I, I, I respect you. As I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even felt an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. See, he creates a window. He's like, listen, they, they have a question right there. This is like the heart of Alpha, by the way. They have a question right there. I'm going to help them explore that question out. And it's going to lead him to Jesus. He, out, he found an opening in the city to proclaim the good news. Paul goes on and he tells his story. He tells the story of Jesus. And then it says, if you read the text, it says that some, when he finished at that meeting, actually became believers. That there were some who became followers of Jesus in that moment. It says that others in the city and at that meeting sneered, is the word in the text. They sneered at him. Isn't that the way it goes? Not everybody's going to believe every time we take a swing. That's why we're not looking for per perfection. We are looking for progress with our vision and mission in Christ. So Paul doesn't save the entire city. But here's what I'd love for you to, to, to think about. Stay with me on this one because it's a little bit backwards. You see, in, in my opinion, in this particular story, you could say it this way, that the city saved the church. In fact, just to kind of make that point drive home a little bit, why don't we just say this together? Everyone say the city, city. save the, the church. We do usually think the other way around, don't we? The, the, the church is supposed to save the city. And, but it's perhaps, we could look at it this way. It's the distress caused by the world around us, by the cities we live in, that could potentially save the church from being swallowed up by consumerism individualism, selfish ambition, greed, and materialism. Those are the very exact things that grip the church in our day and age. We are, we are just as much addicted to those things, but the true vision of a church, right, has to become like, instead of us following the ways of the world, that we would start to create, if you will, authentic stories of life transformation and surrender the presence and the will of God. And when I say that, what I'm saying is I actually hope that the anemic spiritual condition of our world and our culture and our city wakes the church up, that somehow we become distressed by the world around us in order to save the church from becoming irrelevant. 
The church is on a pathway of irrelevance, but unless we get distressed to a point of grace and compassion, we're going to become irrelevant. You know, we have a good God, and we have a Holy Spirit that is so good, and he wants us to save ourselves, save us from ourselves. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's what God wants to do. He wants to save us from ourselves for the sake, not only of our city, but of the world. And I have to even always put it in this, because we are such an individualistic culture, I have to tell you, but it is for you too. It's not just for the big picture. You're a part of it. He has good news for you, even as a Christian. He's saying, listen, you've received the good news, but I have more. And I have to wonder, how bad does it need to get for the church to stop withdrawing, bulldozing, bullying, and not caring? When does the church get distressed? When are we in pain over the need for more Jesus in the world around us? When do we create windows for the gospel to be shared among our friends and our family? much less our city. So our vision is to bring life to our city by being the church the best way we know how. And it begins like Paul. It begins with a group of people walking through our city and seeing its spiritual condition. You know, we can love our city. We can love OKC. We can have OKC pride. We can, we can love all the great things of our city. I mean, we have a great food culture in Oklahoma City. We can love that all day long, and that's great, but that's not really what I'm talking about. It's not about loving our city. It means allowing our hearts to be broken by its need for Jesus, and when our hearts are softened to that need, the vision can finally begin. Yeah. Are you all with me today? Yeah. So week one of Live the Values, we are starting with vision. But again, our vision is not just about the communal vision. It's about you. This church is all about the vision that God has given you as well. We care about that God has given you a calling that he created you to create. We just finished seven weeks called The Art of Living, which was all about the fact that God created you to create life. So some of us are business owners, creatives, craftsmen, skilled workers, techies, communication specialists, dads, moms, developers, managers, leaders, sales reps, entrepreneurs, foodies, Students, designers, drivers, whatever it is that you are and that you do, we do many things. And all of you have a vision for your life. And we want you to pursue that vision that God has given you. And how we see the church vision, it's just a vision that helps you live your vision, where we unite around something that actually causes us to go and be the church the best we know, know how, no matter where we live and no matter what we do because our vision is driven by our values. And here's what I'm gonna talk about now. Um, I'm gonna talk about how our values really shape our vision. But let me talk about <clears throat> how vision works as we do that. I'm gonna show you a picture. This is a flywheel. Everybody say flywheel. Look at the person next to you and say, that's a flywheel. All of you knew this, right? In case you're wondering what a flywheel is, that's a big, pretty big one. A flywheel is what is a big wheel that spins on an axle. And when it spins, it creates energy. And they often are in the context of an engine. And so a flywheel is creating energy, which actually stabilizes the engine and the energy force. I mean, we don't have to get into all that, do we? 
There's a leadership principle called the flywheel that Jim Collins wrote about in the book called Good to Great years ago, and I'm going to read a paragraph from that book, all right? This is sort of an illustration, if you will. Picture a huge, heavy flywheel, a massive metal disc mounted horizontally on an axle, about 30 feet in diameter, two feet thick, and weighing about 5,000 pounds. Now imagine that your task is to get the flywheel <clears throat> rotating on the axle as fast and long as possible, pushing with great effort. You get the flywheel to inch forward, moving almost imperceptibly at first. You keep pushing, and after two or three hours of persistent effort, you get the flywheel to complete one entire turn. You keep pushing, and the flywheel begins to move a bit faster, and with continued great effort, you make it around a second rotation. You keep pushing in consistent direction, and it's three turns, four turns, five, six, and then the flywheel builds up speed, seven, eight, you keep pushing, nine, 10, and it builds momentum, 11, 12, moving faster each turn, 20, 30, 50, 100, then at some point, breakthrough. The momentum of the thing kicks into your favor, hurling the fly, flywheel forward, turn after turn, its own heavy weight working for you. You're not pushing harder, but the flywheel goes faster and faster. Each turn of the flywheel builds upon um, the work done earlier, compounding your investment of effort a thousand times faster than 10,000, then 100,000, the huge heavy disc flies forward at an almost unstoppable momentum. So the picture of a flywheel is one of the most vivid images in my mind around how the vision in a church can work. When everyone is doing their part, when we operate if you will, as the body of Christ, living into those unique callings that we've been given, living into the gifts that God's given us, living in different circles and in different neighborhoods across a city, uniting around a vision together where we're all pushing in the same direction as believers who actually care, who actually care about the vision, who actually are distressed by the world around us. As you can imagine, the bigger the wheel, the more people are needed to get it moving. So the bigger the vision, the more people is required to get it turning. And truthfully, this wheel, <laughs> this wheel can become where not enough of us are pushing the wheel forward. And instead, what happens is sometimes many in the church innocently mistake the flywheel for a Ferris wheel. <laughs> and they get on for a ride. So we jump on the wheel and we let people push us around, and the vision of the church, although it is to help people and serve people, it is not to serve the church itself. And we can become the served instead of the servants. We certainly want to love each other and serve each other. That's part of the vision of our church. We want to love each other well. The Bible says that the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. But it's not the vision itself. Sometimes... As you can imagine, in this world, churches can be Ferris wheels instead of flywheels. In other words, churches can become really good at um, consuming instead of contending. Leadership in churches can focus on creating content instead of making disciples. Remember, we don't want to be pretenders. We want to be contenders. What, what? <laughs> we want to contend for the renewal of our church and the revival of our, of our city. 
And what I really love about this picture of the flywheel is that breakthrough is found in the buildup. There's a moment when the flywheel shifts, right, where it moves from our effort to push it to where the weight of the flywheel takes over and it begins to pull itself. That's where the breakthrough happens. It happens and the flywheel begins to turn faster and faster on its own. The breakthrough doesn't happen without the buildup. And I think that's important for us Christians to realize that the breakthrough doesn't happen without the buildup. We always want the breakthrough to happen without any buildup. God just do it. But there's a buildup. It's important to say that the flywheel, when it keeps turning, the fly, we don't, we don't, first of all, <laughs> we have to understand the buildup is the decision to keep pushing it forward, meaning we don't ride it, we don't neglect it, we don't ignore it, we don't withdraw, we don't bulldoze, we don't bully, we unite yeah. around a vision. And when we stay committed to those little pushes, consistent decisions to who we're going to be, to stay true to the vision, it adds up to a powerful investment that pays off huge dividends. And that's the breakthrough. You see, the challenge in the church is that we like to push in different directions. And we never see the breakthrough. Because there's no unity. Everybody is doing their own thing. It's important to say that the flywheel is different, even though in some ways this is a business principle. It's different in business than it is in the church. I'm not trying to describe a breakthrough of influence or growth or some success measure that the church can hang its hat on that might be similar to what a business is aiming for, where all the hard work adds up to some measure of success. This isn't about building up with just the hard work and sweat and eventually we'll get to reap our rewards. It's not what it's about. I'm trying to describe a breakthrough of God's power in our church and in our city. We're pushing and pulling doesn't happen in different directions, but together we are united about who we are and what we, what we do to love our city and to be the church the best we know how together. That's when it gets really fun because that's when we start to see the weight of unity and the weight of vision begin to pull us forward and project us into a place of momentum and power that we've never experienced before. And all of that comes in how we live. This is where values come into place because we have to understand what are we really about? Why do we exist? Why do we even come to this place? How do we bring life to our city? Those questions are important and relevant and they should be questions that you ask. If I asked you what's OKC community about, I would hope that you would have clarity about that. But the truth is, is I felt like we needed to help create some clarity. So this brings us to our values. It, it's, our, it's our values that allow us all, by the way, to have a unique vision that God's given us, that God's given each and every one of you a unique vision, yet through values of a community, we can unite together and we can simultaneously pursue a wider vision and push in the same direction so we can see work happen in our city. Values are the united pushes and the consistent tendencies that we have together to create breakthrough. So we have to ask ourselves, who are we gonna be? So here's what I wanna do. Go ahead and get that little, uh, that sweet eight by 10 card that we gave you. Go ahead and get that out. We are officially introducing you to six values today that we believe God has called us to establish uh, in our church to really be the cultural shapers of OKC community's future. And 
these are new values, meaning uh, essentially we are creating some language that, uh, that describes what's important to us. If you, you know, values shape who we long to be and what we want to do. And obviously having core values is a very normal thing in organizations and in churches. And before today, we had some values that we held to. But for some time now, our staff has been going through a refining process of our church and where God's leading us in the future. And we've been kind of undergoing what I've been calling a process of simplifying to magnify. Uh, we want to simplify our language and the things we do in our church in order to magnify what is most important. By the way, you can do this in your own life. A lot of you need to simplify in order to magnify what's more, most important. And, uh, and so anyway, it's a very difficult process, but it's a freeing process. And so uh, here's what I want to do. I want to invite a few people up here who are going to help me introduce these values. You guys go ahead and make your way up here. They're going to help us in just a second. Um, but I want I, I, these six values as a result of simplifying to magnify they tell you what's really important. So if I was gonna ask you, hey, what's OKC Community about? I hope that these are the things that might start to come out of our mouths about the things we really care about and the vision of our church. And so go ahead and come on out, guys. Go ahead and come on out. Why don't you welcome some friends here? Hold on, before you, before you welcome them. Scott, Scott Cageman, Madison Thorne, Matt Bailey. Give it up for them. <laughs> you don't know what I have in store for these three. But it's going to be fun. So here's the thing. I asked them if they'd be willing to come up and to read our values and introduce them to us. I know you all can read, but to read them out loud and for us to have this moment together where we are uniting around vision and values, so to speak. And I asked them, would you read them with passion and conviction, though? Would you read them with enthusiasm? Would you make all of us really believe it? Would you really go after it? Would you make us all run out feeling like we're on fire for Jesus today? And, they was like, and every one of them said... I'm your man. I'm your woman. And so here's the deal. We have high expectations of you three. We need you to bring it home today. And we need you to bring your very best. And so here's what they're going to do. You can go ahead and look, read along. But they're going to read the value. And then they're going to read the description with all their passion and enthusiasm. And then because they're going to do it with so much passion and conviction, you're going to believe it so deeply. After they finish reading it, because you so deeply want to live that value, you're going to wildly cheer after each value. This is going to be fun today. So if you're wondering, is this silly? Yes. Is this a little dorky? Of course. But this is very intentional? Absolutely. And is this going to be a lot of fun? Yes. Let's have fun with it. You guys ready to have some fun today? Let's have some fun with this. So let's do this. So I need, I need your best and I need your best. Remember, we're trying to be the church the best way we know how. Let's start right here. Matt, let's do it. Value number one, reach. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We need more, don't we? We need more, Matt. Let's do this. <laughs> Value number one. Come on. Reach people. At OKC Community, we believe every life matters to God and to us. We are crazy about reaching people for Christ and seeing God transform lives. All right, Madison, let's see what you got. Here's the deal. Madison is a professional cheerleader, pretty much. So I have, like, expectations through the roof, Madison. We'll save that for you. But it's okay. 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 So our second one is extravagant love. So say it again. 
There we go. We recklessly love God, one another, our neighbors, our city, and the world. Love never fails. All right, Scott. Okay. Warm you up, man. Oh, Mike's on. Passionate devotion. We are tired of mediocre versions of faith. So we are over the top passionate about prayer, worship, scripture, and the pursuit of God. All right, Matt. All right. You did good, man. You yep. did good. Let's bring it home now. Right. Last round. Okay. Number four. Value number four, courageous faith. We are high faith, God can do anything people. So we courageously trust God for provision, breakthrough, healing, and miracles. Oh yeah. Okay, so since we are a family, we're all gonna say this one together. So I'm gonna say we value, and then you're gonna say spiritual family. Ooh, I like so, she's, she's She's been taking five. notes on how to oh, preach. Yeah. We get crowd participation and cheerleading. So. We value spiritual family. That was okay. We'll try it again. Um, we value spiritual family. There we go. <laughs> we reject an individualized faith and trust in a spiritual family doing life together as a better way to live. We are better together. Last one. Come on, doing Scott. Doing things that matter. We know what we do matters. So we live, love, lead, and dream about the things that matter most. Mm. Yes! They did great, right? They did great. Give it up for them. Thank you guys so much. I love it. That felt good. <laughs> So we, when we live out those values, friends, it's like turning the flywheel faster. And here's the deal, you can live those values through your dream. You become that person no matter what you do, where you live. So we're not asking you to put your dream to the side so you can go and do the work of the church. We're saying go and be the church and all the things that you do in life. And when you go and be the church, we turn the flywheel faster and we start to see the momentum of God's power in this city when we go and actually live the things we say we believe. We don't want to be people who just say this stuff. We want to be the people who live this stuff. Are you with me? We want to be people who are all about reaching people, extravagant love, passionate devotion, courageous faith, spiritual family, and doing things that matter. That's what we're about. So whenever we say, what's OKC Community about? You're like, hey, man, OKC Community about is all about reaching people. It's all about extravagant love. Our story, in many ways, is about Jesus, the church in our city. Always has been, always will be. But like I said at the very beginning, it's about loving Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when we talk about bringing life to our city and being the, best, being the church the best way we know how, we know that begins with a heart that says we want to give God our best. So what if enough, what if enough of us walk through our city like Paul did and the distress of our city hits our heart 
compassion and grace fills us with the desire to see a new window for the gospel to be opened and shared. Today's big picture, 30,000 foot level, if you will, of talking about vision and values. Over the course of this series, we're gonna be looking at each one of these values and digging deeply into them to, to really encourage one another what it means to live out a set of values as a community while we also pursue Jesus and the vision that he's called us to live out in our life. But today to kind of uh, end, I want us to worship and I want us to have this picture of like that the breakthrough is often about the buildup. That what is, what, is, what is God building up in your life which, which you're actually putting the consistent pushes and turns into something that could take off with the Lord's help. And so I, I want you to just, even as we worship, we're, we're going to sing, we're going we're gonna to celebrate, if you will, but we're also going to have this altar open where you can come and pray, and, and, and there's going to be prayer team people if you want to pray with people. But maybe for you today, you're like, maybe you're getting hit with just this idea of, anytime we talk about vision, I think there's always the opportunity to say, what's the Lord saying to you about the, His vision for your life? What's the Lord saying to you about His desire for you to really be Come a part of the family of God, that you aren't just going to ride on the Ferris wheel, that you're going to be a part of pushing the flywheel, that you aren't going to be just someone who gets served, but you are going to become the servant that God's called you to be. Maybe that's what you need to pray about today. Maybe you need to get on, on your face and say, Lord, I got to begin with consecrating myself before you, asking that you would purify my heart because I do want your kingdom come, will be done. But so often I make my life about my individualistic pursuit. We talked about so much today, didn't we? We talked about a lot. Maybe God is speaking to you about one of those things. Maybe you've compartmentalized like we talked last week. Maybe you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life like he ought to be. Maybe this is the moment in which you say, I'm not just gonna be talk anymore. I'm gonna be a person who goes and lives this stuff out. That I'm gonna be a person that is oriented around a vision and values. Maybe you need to renew your commitment to the church body or to the spiritual family or Maybe you need to stop withdrawing or stop bulldozing. I don't know what, it is, what your story is. But I just am, I'm just hopeful that we all start carrying whole new levels of distress, but I'm gonna transition that word to conviction and passion and grace for the world around us to see Jesus in our city and in our world. We wanna make the flywheel turn. Let me pray for us. Father, we just pray that as a community, we would be united around this idea of building up to breakthrough. Father, thank you for, thank you for the vision that you give us in your word on how to do this. Thank you for just the heart that you've put in the early church to, to demonstrate for us what it means to be the church in this day and in this world. Thank you for the mission that you've called us to and thank you for shaping lives in a way that, Lord, is all about just depending on you and trusting in you and loving you. And Lord, I just pray for each and every person that, Lord, they would hear exactly what they need to hear today and that God it would draw us to our knees in submission to you, Father. You might need to just come in just a moment and just talk to God and I want to encourage you to do that. My encouragement for all, every one of you with your heads bowed is just what is it that you need to pray about today? What is it that you need to pray about? What do you need to talk to God about? 
because I believe every one of us probably have something that we need to talk to the Lord about. And I would say, do it, do it. Pray right where you're at, pray at the altar. And then of course, let's worship together as well. So Father, as we sing, we give you this time as a time of response. We pray these things in your name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.